0: Hello and a very warm welcome to Econoday Unplugged on Tuesday, the 10th of October 2023. Mark Penders on the US East Coast, Max Otto's in British Columbia, Brian Jackson's in Sydney and I'm Jeremy Hawkins in London. Well, it took a while, but investors now seem to accept that many central banks will be keeping key interest rates at high levels for longer than originally expected. And with that comes increased downside risk of financial markets and economic growth. Just last week, the yield on U.S. Um, 10-year Treasuries, widely regarded as the most important single interest rate, climbed above 4.8% for the first time in some 16 years. That was up uh, what 70 basis points since just the start of September. In Europe, its German counterpart hit levels not seen for 12 years, and in Japan, 10-year JGBs are only still sub 1% due to intervention by the Bank of. Japan, Japan. And while yields have slipped this week, they would almost certainly be significantly higher. But for the Hamas attack on Israel at the weekend, which prompted an immediate shift into risk off assets. Not helping matters, many curves are still inverted, encouraging investors to shorten duration in a bid to get high returns. As it is, recent developments have left bond investors sitting on massive losses and borrowers, be they consumers, companies or governments, all totting up how much it's extra it's going to cost them to service their debt. At the same time, the dollar has strengthened further, which threatens to boost prices overseas, just when it seemed that inflation in many countries was finally being brought under control. So against this backdrop earlier today, the IMF trimmed its global growth forecast for 2024, although of note that masked upgrades to both Canada and in particular the US. So with all this going on, time to find out how the Econaday team think things are going to pan out. So let's go to the U.S. first. Then, Mark, there's been a lot of speculation about Fed tightening again before the year is out due to the surprising buoyancy of the local economy. So first question, then, is do you think this steep climb in yields is a genuine recession risk or is it simply a necessary development to help to ensure that inflation falls back to target?
1: Well, I guess it's both. It's definitely an inflationary risk. And and it's part of the effort to contain inflation. Um, The Hamas situation has, I guess, clouded what the data would seem to point to a rate hike that the Fed has already penciled in uh, one more for the rest of the year. And on Friday, we had a very robust employment report, very surprising uh, employment report. uh, over 300,000, uh, 336,000 non-fart payroll gain. Um, and uh, uh, it just out of, you know, way beyond Econaday's consensus range, the outside of consensus range, and uh, really underscored an upsurge in strong economic data. Uh, as you could see from the Econidays' uh, Relative Performance Index, which after that, Uh, was at 38, which is a pretty significant um, indication that just like through uh, most of the course of this year, and and why the Fed has been having to kind of chase um, uh, interest rates in a way, uh, uh, data has been outperforming expectations, whether it's the uh, FOMC forecasts or whether it's uh, private economists. So now... Um, what's interesting about that, if I could real uh, very quickly, was uh, they had a 4.2%. We had a 4.2% average hourly earnings, which is the wage indication mm-hmm. here in the U.S., and that was down a tenth. The uh, interestingly, the um, monthly rate, which is very highly forecast, uh, came in at 0.2 for a second month, which is really tame. If you you know multiply that by 12, that's so that's pretty much where your target. It actually under three percent for wages is what the Fed would like. So uh, on a year, so it looks like that's pretty good. But it's stuck at this higher level, this plus four point two level for right now. Now whether or not we can get a series, a long series of zero point two percent monthly increases that would bring that down to target, I guess is in question. I guess with and we're having the CPI out. Um, on Thursday here, and the kind of day consensus for that is very similar. It's a zero point to to those results that we saw with the wages. That is a modest monthly gain, which would be um, part of of what hopefully is an emerging trend, I guess. Of of course, hopefully, when it comes to the CPI, Um, uh, but still an elevated annual rate. So if we want to look at the core rate the, or the headline rate, we're expecting a 0.3% rise, which shouldn't in further increase
0: interest rates. Uh, it wouldn't put a lock on a rate hike at the end of the month. Okay. Well, let me as you mentioned, I mean, um, our relative performance index has been showing outperformance versus market expectations by the US economy for some time now, uh, pretty well across the board. Um, but so we have had this you know, significant backup in yield. So, I mean, given that there still appears to be different sort of mutterings coming out of the various FOMC members, and uh, for people who haven't, haven't seen it, I guess I should mention that we have seen the Fed buy. Chair uh, Jefferson, at Def Jefferson and the Dallas Fed President Logan suggesting that the run up in reels might actually help to reduce the need for further interest rate hikes. I was going to you know, follow that on with the question. Do you think what we've seen so far at the margin might help to prevent the Fed having to tighten interest rates again? Or do you think given the kind of robust situation the economy you're talking about, they're still more likely not to hike before the end of the year?
1: Well, they left their meeting, their last meeting in September, with definitely a hawkish bias. Mm-hmm. And at that time, uh, um, the economy was really performing very solidly, especially the employment um, uh, sector, which is, you know, w- w- which is uh, absolutely key. So, uh, you know, that's all. I guess part of their uh, or, or the, the central bank concerns are uh, wait, having this patience to wait if prior rate hikes, which have created this increase in interest rates in the first place if 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 they're playing if these effects are playing out have they played out um there seems to be a patience that we can wait for this i mean just the last week we saw and i guess we can talk to brian about this but you know the, the reserve bank of of india uh, i think it was the fourth meeting in a row they're uh, um, inflation rate is, I think, in the six percent range. So um, central banks here have been showing a lot of patience, waiting for this effect to uh, occur. And so, I guess what my point is, Jeremy, that it may have, it may be occurring, but it it may be bringing down inflation in, in in a slow motion kind of a way. And there may be the risk that inflation has just ra- the natural rate of inflation if there is such a thing has now ratcheted higher uh beyond their 2% target so you know in theory if this went on the central bank would have to change their targets maybe the, the new normal remember we had all this years of disinflation and deflation for 15 years no one could figure it out why and we were at, you know close to zero uh, you know, uh, on, on interest rates and that that was fine, you know, having a 2 percent goal now. But so maybe things have changed now and and it's over. Uh, well, on that
0: on that on that front, it's a fair point. But I guess, you know, the idea of changing a central bank's inflation target is pretty sizable and it'd be a big risk mm-hmm. to how financial markets would react. But it's I suppose kind of you know, yeah. l- linked to that, what I was going to ask you, I mean, given the fact that the, this US economy has been you know, at least in broad terms outperforming for so long now, mm. um, do you think it as effectively means that you know, the real, real equilibrium interest rate now right. is mm. somewhat higher than it used to be? So the idea perhaps of people expecting interest rates to go back down to, let's say, close mm-hmm. to where they used to be is simply off the wall now. Interest rates will have to stay, perhaps not as hard as they are now by any means, but you know, cuts in interest rates when we finally get through to the bottom, it's going to leave a higher rate than people originally thought we'd finally end up going back down to.
1: That's a possibility and that goes with what uh, I I was saying about, you know, a parallel line with inflation, but it's not all bad. You know, you were talking about losses for bond investors, but bill investors, you know, in short-term treasuries are, are savers, right now, are doing fantastically well. It was, you know, for so long, savers were, were being punished at zero mm-hmm. interest rates, and now they have a chance to, uh, to, you know, and you were talking about the 10-year yield coming in at a, a long-term high. These are not only, like, tw- near 20 years high. You have to go way back. I mean, th- we're at really high levels right now in some of these longer-term, or we're approaching, you know, sub- substantially rich uh, yields Uh, In U.S. secure U.S. treasuries. And so um, and that's a plus for some in the economy, you know, who haven't bought, you know, uh, who who aren't locked in with, uh, you know, unfavorable prior investments. But um, so it's an interesting mix. And I think you're right. I think that there could be a new normal. And if there is a new normal, then the central bank's we'll all have to you know get together recalibrate there's it's interesting uh, you know when you look at the economy, the central banks that we cover um, i think there's only really one i can't remember which one it is it may besides the bank of india which has a different much higher uh, target range there's like one other bank that that ha- or the swiss the swiss bank they they don't even have a range right they just want 2%
0: well, um, they, yeah, they just want slightly, slightly below 2% is their definition yeah, of price Okay,
1: slightly below. So, all right. So, but most of it's, you know, two to 3%. The Fed has a flexible 2% range, but all this is, you know, it's, and they base their forecast, when will it approach there? And all their forecasts always have by the end of the forecast horizon, it's virtually at that spot. And of course, you know. You know, that's the long term or, you know, the medium term, whatever it is. And it hardly ever, ever happens. But uh, we'll see how it happens. But like I was saying, the central banks are clumped in in around this two to three percent, you know, what they're basing their policy on. And I think as far as they believe that they probably have already done enough to bring that down uh, within there if they just wait long enough. But
0: whether or not that works, we'll see. We'll see okay thanks very much for that mr pender let's move north of the border to canada Max, well, yes, a bit like um, the US, really, the Canadian economy is doing at least pretty well and certainly better than expected for most of this year. I think if I've got my numbers right, um, the Day's relative performance index is up at 47. So really, you know, the same kind of question to you, yeah, you really. Um, Canadian dollar, their 10-year yields hit, what, 16-year highs last week. So is that a threat to growth or is it something which the Bank of Canada, given the way the economy is performing at the moment, will be quietly, um, you know, quietly welcome?
2: Um, interestingly, um, last month after leaving the rate steady, one of the deputy governors uh, said in the speech that uh, they've been following the um, inflation rates uh, and other measures, for example, uh, CPI minus um, uh, mortgage costs. And mm-hmm. she said um, it is actually um, um, slightly lower, but not that much. So that means... Uh, they're not extremely concerned about the uh, the mortgage costs uh, pushing up the uh, uh, inflation rate, and uh, as for um, uh, the rising uh, borrowing costs impact on consumers and businesses, uh, of course some some uh, do have uh, variables, but um, uh, not all. So that means uh, Bank of Canada was looking for bad news normally bad news for the economy which is Mm -hmm. uh, slower spending slower investment and now they think um, decisions uh, uh, decision making is getting a little bit uh, more difficult Um, they have to look at both upside and downside so that suggests that uh, they may not have to tighten so much anymore
0: okay let me ask about the employment market Um, I think actually on the last podcast, we chatted at least briefly about that and said, you know, since uh, the BOC came out and started to note that perhaps the labour market slack was beginning to open up a little bit, um, the unemployment rate had moved up. But since then, well, at least over the last three months or so, we've seen the the payroll numbers exceeding market expectations. We've had almost 100,000 jobs added over the third quarter. The unemployment rate is still down at what, just 5.5%. So, I mean, we put sort of the bigger picture together. Uh, even given the hype we've had in uh, in longer dated yields, do you think there's enough momentum in the Canadian economy that they're going to find it difficult not to push interest rates up again at some point, or do you think we've actually topped out now?
2: Uh, that's a good question. Um, the latest uh, data, uh, of course, the uh, employment figure was above expectations, but. Um, gains were lit by part-time jobs. Uh, meanwhile, um, average hourly uh, wages uh, ticked up to 5% on year. So that means maybe keeping the Bank of Canada people a little bit nervous uh, about the labour costs. So I don't think they want to declare that they, they're done and just want to see the, the cumulative effects of uh, tightening. I think mm-hmm. they... they, they They still want Canadian uh, consumers and businesses to slow down a bit um, before they can see uh, the inflation is roughly within the range of 1% to 3%. And, of course, they they have said before that they want to go all the way down to 2%. Right.
0: So, in other words, reading between the lines, you're effectively perhaps saying that the rising yields we've seen so far don't actually be too unhappy about. Uh, Exactly, yeah. Right. Okay. Um, right, well, Let's move on then. Keep this uh, ball rolling. Um, move into Asia. Um, I guess, as we've mentioned on previous podcasts, the, uh, a strong dollar and high U.S. interest rates is not a particularly great combination as far as the current the Asian currency world is concerned. So moving into Japan, um, back again, looking at the exchange rate, dollar yen. Uh, threatening, particularly last week, to break back above the 150 mark again, which we know doesn't sit at all well the likes of the, uh, the Bank of Japan or the Ministry of Finance out there. The central bank has been forced to bolster its uh, JGB pur- purchases to try and keep a, a lid on yield. So w- what's the outlook, do you think, now for uh, BOJ policy?
2: The BOJ, of course, they are uh, watching the um, uh, Dalian rate uh, together with the um and it's not clear uh, the MoF has decided decided to um, intervene or not uh, recently. I think uh, the latest uh, uh, policy stance is not to tell anybody what they're doing or what they're going to do. So they
0: can't even that- plan that.
2: <laughs> that that will probably you know previously if they intervene they did announce in a big way I think you know when when the effect uh, impact was big uh, especially when they get uh, help from the Fed I mean um, uh, Treasury uh, but now they know that the, the the dollar buying pressure is still too high um, they don't want to disclose their hands so I think they're gonna uh, stay quiet that way and for the Bank of Japan. Um, I'll give you um, a few numbers, um, if you like to take a look at the latest CPI, that's um, national average for August, uh, goods prices um, seems to have peaked out, um, total goods minus uh, fresh food, um, the index was up 4.1%, and, but that's uh, compared to um, January. Uh, down from 7, 7.2, and meanwhile, so that's good news uh, for the Bank of Japan and, and consumers and businesses. Uh, service costs, um, service minus uh, uh, owners equivalent rent, uh, that's up 3.0% from year earlier in August, and that's really for Japan. It's really up from 1.7 in January, which means um, that's good news for the, um, the people. Uh, uh, wages uh, companies are, of course um, you know passing on higher utilities and all those costs too but uh, they know that unless they raise their wages they raise the wages they're not going to get enough people uh, not just uh, uh, restaurants hotels and construction and uh, transportation um, almost across the board so that's going to support uh, the economy but the uh, um, If you also take a look at the um, forecasts, um, the latest is in from uh, July. That's uh, Bank of Japan's quarterly outlook report, and we're looking for, uh, waiting for the other one, another one, most recent in October. But um, um, even though uh, CPI is going to probably rise 2.5, that's their forecast. this fiscal year it's going to go down to 1.9 uh in fiscal 24 and down to 1.6 in 25 and that's not too far uh from the um, private uh, economists' forecasts what that means um they really need evidence that companies gonna keep um raising wages at a reasonable rate or substantial rate In the next fiscal year and onwards so until then uh, the Bank of Japan's board will be very careful about um, adjusting the uh, policy for example uh, the discussion on uh, whether to end the um, negative uh, rate policy on the short end Uh, that's that's going to happen obviously not this year and maybe they'll be careful into the early parts of next year
0: Okay, i do ask you about Look, I saw a report. I think it came out of Kyoto, uh, Kyoto news-wise, on the back end of yesterday or earlier on this morning, my time anyway. And there were some rumours there, at least, that the, the BOJ is considering raising its inflation outlook, um, say, for the current fiscal year to March from the 2.5% you were talking about up to 3%. I mean, do you think that, if that were to be correct, do you think that would be significant? Or is it just still going to be the case that, well, okay, inflation is going to come down to basically target or even sub-target? But just from a slightly higher level? I
2: don't think uh, uh, you know the, I think they're talking about fiscal 20, 2023 and of course that's going to go up because uh, BOJ did uh, um, acknowledge in the July report that uh, um, companies are still raising prices because they mm-hmm. couldn't raise all the costs uh, last year in the early parts of this year so that's going to happen uh, but then Uh, Compared to the earlier levels, um, CGPI and the producer prices have been uh, slowing month to month um, compared to the uh, last year's levels. So that means that's going to have an impact on the CPI six months to a year ahead. So I don't think uh, BOJ wants to uh, uh, highlight too much about uh, a possible uh upward revision to this fiscal year's forecast. What's really important is, as I said earlier, twenty four and twenty five
0: okay, fair enough, but and no, a no, quick one before we move on. one um, percent. The, uh, the, the what is perceived to be, anyway, the, the kind of a threshold of pain uh, for the BOJ for the, for the 10-year JGB. And do you think if we continue to see, I know we've had this pullback because of the Middle East developments in yields generally, but if we see that being short-lived and yields generally start to move up again, which will inevitably put pressure on JGBs, do you think the BOJ sees this 1% level as being sacrosanct, or would they prepare to be, perhaps you know, come out and say, okay, well, now one that hint that, one the quarter percent may be the upper limit um i think the they they came up with this uh number
2: last time uh thinking that this is going to be um not just short term but more uh for the longer term operations so I don't think uh, they're ready to expand it too easily because that's going to leave the impression that um, they're basically raising rates right and um, you know that's going to create a huge um, uh, yield curve uh, um, steepening between short and long term uh, and so i think um, They they're gonna have to uh, defend uh, with lots of operations uh, towards one percent, but internally I don't think that that they're so concerned about it right now. Um, And uh, but then you know they they quoted four um, uh, sources of uncertainty in the July report. Number one is of course prices and um, the rate hikes by other central banks and number two is um, credit risks and especially they they mentioned the uh, cautious lending attitude by u.s banks and number three is um, this is an upside Uh, you know korean uh, taiwanese uh, information technology exports have hit the bottom and and coming up, so they see um, brighter um, IT market uh, um, months ahead. But then they're still concerned about China's uh, real estate market. So those are uh, factors for overseas um, economic growth um, risks for Japan. Even though export um, uh, share has declined in the GDP, um, if they have to cut exports, then that's going to um, affect the production, shipments, and uh, hiring, and all that. So um, uh, see how what they're going to t- uh, say about the new Israeli war. Uh, it could obviously affect the uh, oil prices mm-hmm. and also uh, shipment routes um, if, if the conflict spreads uh, through the Middle East, and also if um, the U.S. finds if, if you know they they think um, Iran is supporting Hamas, then um, that's going to um, uh, reduce the uh, oil available out of um, Middle East. Um, but in, in terms of immediate impact, uh, Japan's top, uh, the source of top imports of crude oil, Saudi Arabia, UAE, QA, Qatar, so if those um, countries still keep pumping, then uh, that's uh, almost 90% of Japan's uh, import needs, so that should be okay for Japan for now.
0: Okay, great. Thank you very much for that, Max, and certainly, as you mentioned there, and um, what's going on in the Middle East, clearly is keeping an eye on at the moment. Right, let's move across to China and Braun then. Well, I guess, you know, we worries about the pace of, or I suppose I should say, rather lack of pace of recovery has been a feature of the Chinese economy for some time now. For what I've seen, Golden Week seems to have been a bit disappointing, and uh, I noticed a report from Bloomberg today suggesting that policymakers are considering issuing at least a trillion one 000, 000 worth of additional sovereign debt for spending on infrastructure. So I'm kind of I mean, is this five percent GDP target for 2023? Do you think it's still feasible? And when you can knit it all together, what's going to happen to be um, the um, central bank policy going forward?
3: Yeah, I mean, we, we just I think had the IMF uh, World Economic Outlook uh, come out and, and they mm-hmm. down uh, the 2023 growth forecast for China, I think, from you know, 5.2% to 5% for this year. So not not a big uh, reduction, but yeah, you know, just uh, I think further evidence that we, we're not seeing um, much momentum in, in the in the numbers that you know we've been uh, reporting for for some time now. We, we, you know, you have all the IMF, uh, sorry, the PMI numbers just sort of bouncing around that 50 level for quite some time. Uh, so you know, what, what's going on? I think the you know the, the main sort of Factor that is weighing on uh, you know, any sort of recovery in China is just the continued weakness in the property market. That's also been highlighted by the IMF, and you know it's clearly um, you know, something that we've, we've been seeing for quite some time now. You've still got the you know the property developers and the local government debt vehicles in in all sorts of bother. Um, you know, property investment still falling pretty sharply on year-on-year terms. Uh, property prices have stabilised a bit in the last three or four months, but you know, definitely no signs of, of you know, uh, a strong recovery there as well. So I think that's probably, you know, the main factor that is going to be um, uh, focused on by uh, policymakers, uh, at least in the near term. And so that might uh, prompt them to, uh, you know, do some more tweaks. We've, we've definitely seen a, a bit of uh, a few measures in, in the last uh, sort of six to eight weeks. And, and we might be seeing some more of that uh, just in, in response to this ongoing weakness in the property market.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask you about the property market. It's clear that the housing market slump has been one of the major problems for the Chinese economy. As you mentioned, it's clearly ongoing. As I recall, they introduced a number of measures trying to boost activity. What beginning about September, wasn't it? If I remember rightly? Has there been any indication that that's actually starting to work yet, or do you think it's just you know a drip in the pan and they've got to do a lot more?
3: Well, as I said, we, we have at least seen um, property prices, you know, the, the monthly uh, number that we track uh, stabilise over the last uh, couple of, uh, you know, last few months. Mm-hmm. You know, it had been falling in year-over-year year terms quite sharply, but now it's sort of bouncing around zero. So um, to to that extent, you know, we, we might have seen some impact from some of those uh, measures that they've put in place. But, yeah, as I said, it's still still pretty weak, and, um, you know, they, they might that might be prompting them to do a little bit more.
0: And I guess I've also got to ask the same as uh, looking at some of the other currencies from from your region. I mean, there's clearly, uh, there's been, we've been in a strong dollar environment for a long time. The latest yeah, upshift we've had in bond yields in general has certainly lent additional strength to the U.S. currency. So um, what's going on with the while That is Is it still under pressure? Are we still having to see the authorities doing their best to try and support it? I mean, are they that concerned about recent developments?
3: Uh. Are they, are they concerned yeah you know they don't talk much about it so it's really
0: hard to answer. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah what they're thinking um but you know presumably uh, it's it's an ongoing uh, uh thing that they're tracking um you know they're, they're obviously trying to um, hoping that you know exports does provide a bit of a, an offset to the weakness in in other parts of the economy so to the extent that the the yuan does give them a little bit more of a boost to their exports that that will help uh, they're also you know fortunate in that in, you know, inflation pressures are still quite subdued. And so they don't really have to worry about the inflationary impact of, uh, uh, you know, currency weakness going forward. So
0: um,
3: I don't think that's their number one issue uh, at the moment. As I said, property market is still the probably the, the main game in town.
0: So, um, where are we? Uh, last RBA meeting, remember rightly, no change in interest rates again. And um, what, still hinting, though, that if anything, there's upside risk to interest rates? Or or again, do we think, given what's happening to the, you know, the world economy at the moment, in the light of these higher bond yields, that uh, chances of additional RBA tightening out are now less than they were before?
3: Oh, I would say that's a, a fair assessment. Um, you know, the risks still are that they might need to go at least you know one more time and there's definitely a few people mm-hmm. predicting that but uh you know what what we are seeing um uh, in bond yields and uh, you know the outlook for for growth uh might mean that they don't have to do that um or don't want to do that so we'll see and you know there's certainly uh, in in their uh, monthly statements and and, and other uh, public comments highlighting the the downside risks to growth um, as well as still uh, indicating that uh, inflation is, is a concern what we are seeing um and this is you know true of other countries in the region um is that you know officials are looking past uh, any sort of volatility in headline inflation so you know the the monthly cpi number uh for for australia showed a bit of an uptick um after it had been uh trending lower since the start of the year mm-hmm. but uh, that was mainly due to f- fuel prices and and base effects and things like that so um you know that didn't um you know that didn't spook the rBA uh, when, when I saw that number and when you look at the the core number that's um um you know still heading in, in the right direction so you know they're still confident that the the policy tightening that they've put in place will um will work and get inflation back towards this target over the the forecast range so you know i think um at the moment the 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 thinking is that they've they've done what they need to do and they just have to sort of um, hold the line uh, going forward.
0: okay, and, and well, just following on from that, I guess you've kind of answered it in terms of what what you've just said, but there has been some speculation, I think that, um, that the RBA might you know change its view on holding bonds to maturity and actually go out and start selling bonds. so in other words, active quantitative tightening. Um, is that still a possibility, or again, do you think what's been going on in the bond markets has made that again seem that much less likely?
3: I think I think it is less likely now. Um and you know, as I said they're they're still you know hopeful that what they've done already is has you know will be enough to to achieve the policy goals that they're um that they've got set for themselves. I d I don't think there there's a lot of um uh you know, interest in trying to uh, go back to you know, different types of using different types of policy tools to 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 reach their objectives. I, I think they would like, if, if possible, just to uh, you know to to go back to the the tried and true methods. And, and of course, they're also not only looking at what bond yields are doing, but looking at, at you know the, the, the weaker Australian dollar as well. And so that's feeding right. into that as well. Um, that's obviously uh, presenting a bit of an inflation risk, whilst also mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, hopefully, providing a bit of offsetting uh, support to to the economy through uh, exports.
0: Okay, um, moving on then, if we can, let's move across to New Zealand. Any um, particular update you'd like to mention there? Again, particularly with, the, with regard to what's going on in the bond markets, that had any, any effect on uh, Kiwi financial markets or indeed the attitude toward growth prospects?
3: Uh, it's a very similar story to to Australia, um, right? Uh, and and again, I think you know with the the latest. Uh, uh new zealand uh rbnz decision um just what was it last week i think um they again uh, are fairly confident i think that they've got policy settings uh right and that um you know they they just have to sort of now hold the line and wait for it to to do what they think it will do and in terms of uh, of slowing uh the economy and getting inflation back down um you know we, we we uh have to wait for the next quarterly inflation number and so we haven't yet seen um, you know, what we've seen in Australia, a bit of a pickup in headline inflation uh, in, in response to some sort of recent development. So that'll be interesting to see if we do get a bit of a, an uptick in in the headline inflation in New Zealand when we get that quarterly number. Uh, but I, I think they're, they're pretty confident that the underlying
0: price pressures are moving in the right direction there. Okay, fair enough. And rest of the region, if you'd like to make any sort of general comments about what's going on there, yeah. the trends?
3: Well, I, I think, um, again, this... this, this um, is a common theme across the region where we are seeing a bit of a volatility in the headline inflation number, but policymakers are looking through that. And that that was again evident with with um, India. We, we mentioned that earlier on in the in the talk. Um, mm-hmm. Reserve Bank of India uh, again with rates on hold at, at its last meeting, even though we have seen a, a bit of a spike higher in in headline inflation uh, there. And that, but that's just basically reflecting volatility in in food prices um, which often happens around this time of the year if if rainfall patterns don't um, cooperate Uh, so not worried about that Uh, and instead just uh, looking at at the core inflation numbers which are are, are more uh, behaving better and so again I think uh, it's sort of a uh, uh, pretty confident that uh, they've got policy settings where they want it to be for the time being. So, um, and again, you can say the same thing about Korea, um, you know, South Korea, and then we've got um, uh, Singapore, their semi annual policy review coming out in the next few days as well. So, it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens there. But I think, again, they'll be reasonably um, uh, steady with what they want to do with policy.
0: Okay, great. Thanks for that, Brian. Right, uh, right, let's wrap this up then with a bit on Europe. What have we got here? Well, I guess as far as Europe's concerned, it's part of um, you know, the weaker areas of the world at the moment. Um, looking at the eurozone first, it's still the case that most of the, the real economy data anyway remains soft, albeit largely in line with market forecasts. The economy's relative performance index has been hovering fairly close to zero for a little while now. And indeed, where we have seen surprises in the data, it's mainly been on the downside. And that's been due to weakness in the inflation report. So that's good news as far as the ECB is concerned. Third quarter growth looks likely. I guess to be around zero at the moment. I mean, the likes of retail sales—they're uh, at their lowest level since last or since um, sorry, since last December time. Industrial reduction has been falling for quite a while. So I guess it's fair to say that higher bond yields in Europe perhaps are more of a risk in terms of a threat to recession than they are um, in a lot of other parts of the world. Um, in particular, if you look at some of the more interest rate sensitive sectors such as uh, construction. Uh, it was a very weak PMI for the construction sector out of the Eurozone. That was down at just 43.6 in the latest figures for September. So, at all intents and purposes, quite deep into recession territory. And we look at, uh, well, I guess in many ways, the worst performing Eurozone member at the moment, but its most important member in terms of GDP, Germany. That was down at just 39.3. So, we're talking uh, significantly weak numbers. And indeed, if we look at the house building sectors in general, they're uh, putting out some Uh, particularly soft figures now, notably in the big two, France and Germany itself. So the broader picture, very much one in which the real economy was struggling before we saw these back up in bond yields. So the increase in borrowing costs will certainly weigh on economic output going forward. And indeed, it's got to be at least a possibility that we could see the eurozone being in recession uh, by the back end of this year, if not the first quarter of 2024. Apart from just the pure economics, um, rising bond yields, of course, have implications as far as far as um, financial markets can, are concerned in the eurozone. Uh, typically speaking, when we do get rising a rising trend in yields, uh, it tends to be particularly apparent, really, in more highly indebted countries, notably the likes of Greece, Spain, and Italy. And indeed, in Italy, we've seen over the course of the last few days the the key 10 year the B T B bund spread, so the gap between uh, Italian bonds and German bonds. That's climbed above 200 basis points. Now, that's a mark typically seen by investors as a kind of a warning flag for financial stability for the region as a whole and, indeed, a potential threat for the euro. Now, the ECB actually came out on Monday, presumably pretty deliberately, to indicate that there's been no discussion as yet on activating what they call the Transmission Protection Instrument, the TIP, which is uh, was introduced back in July of 2020 2022, and aimed at ensuring that monetary policy is transmitted smoothly across all the euro area countries and in particular with a view to countering an unwanted disorderly markets. So as mentioned they were just offering a run ride to the markets so, that look we haven't had to use this so don't get too agitated about things but nonetheless if we do start to see US yields going back again back up again which is going to drag Europeans higher as well there could be some fresh pressure coming through on the euro by the financial markets and that in turn is going to put additional downside pressure on the euro which of course is going to help to keep inflation that much higher. And Indeed as Max was saying with some of the problems in the, you know, in the Middle East at the moment that could also help to underpin all prices or push all prices higher which in turn will feed into the inflation numbers as well. So there is a lot going on there at the moment but certainly I would say in terms of the countries we've been talking about the eurozone and indeed the UK um, perhaps more susceptible to what's happening in the bond market markets at the moment than some of the others. So I quickly move across to the UK and indeed um, as people are probably aware that the housing market in the UK is one of the key factors determining the overall shape of the economy and how it performs and there we had a September PMI for the sector down at 45% is 45.0 uh, 45. in fact and that was its first sub-50 reading since June and the week as we've seen since going back to what May 2020 so during some of the very early days of Covid. Um, it uh, suggests really that the housing market is re- going to be a big drag on the UK economy going forward and it kind of suggests that well if we believe some of the numbers taken at face value uh, we could see weakness matching the sort of figures we saw going all the way back to 2009 and fact 2009 outside the pandemic period itself. Um, we'll get an update on how the UK economy is performing on where we are on Thursday, where we'll get a, a key selection of uh, economic data coming out on GDP and the like. Uh, that will need to be watched closely because it'll certainly have big implications as far as the Bank of England's concerned. But it's fair to say at the moment, as things currently stand, given what's happening to UK gilt yields, they are up substantially like we've seen elsewhere in the rest of the world, uh, the perhaps slightly disproportionately large implications for downside pressure on UK economic activity makes it that much less likely that we will see UK interest rates going up again and hence that UK bank rate has probably topped out at around about the five and a quarter percent level. What else? Well, for, I guess from my side, I quickly mention the, the SNB, the Swiss National Bank, um, said they left interest rates, as we know, on hold at 1.75% in September when markets were thinking about another increase. Now, the increase in uh, bond yields in Switzerland compared to well, pretty well the rest of all of Europe and indeed outside of Europe as well been relatively limited. And indeed, as um, back in the last week, they're only at about six month highs or so. So, not the multi year, if almost decade highs we've seen uh, coming out of a number of other countries. Still, the economy is sluggish. Uh, The economy's relative performance index has been below zero for the best part of what a year or so now, uh, pretty well on an unbroken basis. Inflation has been below zero, below below two percent for the best part of four months or so. Um, But nonetheless, I think it's fair to say that higher bond yields increase the chances there as well that we won't see any additional hikes coming out of the SMB. So it could well be now that Swiss official interest rates have topped out two okay then that's probably enough for the general roundup anybody else having else they'd like to uh, chip into the pot before um, we wrap it up
1: yes it's mark from the u.s that uh economy covers the u.s treasury auctions uh, very closely and mm-hmm. uh we have a 10-year uh reopening tomorrow uh what a reopening means it's a reissue um uh, with a uh, a couple of months uh, 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 less maturity. But um, so it'll, the coupons can be stuck at uh, 3.875%. But it'd be interesting to see with the, U, the U.S. Uh, tenure right now at uh, 466 I see right now. So when November comes along and the bonds, uh, the 10-year, the 20-year, uh, well, the notes and the bonds, the 10-year note, the 20-year, um, bond and the 30 year bond in the US these are all going to be reopenings uh in the next couple of weeks when you see those auctions it'll be the next auctions where those coupons will uh will be going up if yields are still that high that um and you were, we we were just talking at the beginning of you know people or uh, positions that have um old bonds of course uh, you know with, uh, with low with low yields uh low coupons they're suffering but New buyers of bonds. So that, that's the uh, there's always a, a balance of things. And if, to follow that, I, I, I can recommend Econa Day's coverage. Those auctions of, of those notes and uh, bonds are at 1 p.m. Eastern time on
0: your Econa Day calendar. Indeed. Thanks for that, Mark. Um, bond markets at the moment, very much one of the focal points of international markets in general. OK, then. So let's uh, finish it there. As far as today's concerned, I guess we can say what? Well, in general, the tightening of monetary conditions caused by the rise in bond yields should take at least some of the pressure. Of those central banks contemplating more interest rate hikes while for others it could bring forward possibly the timing of the first interest rate interest rate cuts although it's got to be said don't hold your breath at this stage all that said though much will depend upon yields uh, remaining at high levels and as last weekend's developments made clear geopolitics can have a significant impact on that so events in israel and the gaza strip will need watching closely too Still, ultimately, it's the data that matter. And so, as we always say at the end of our podcast, do make sure that you're always keeping yourself up to date while I up with an eye on Econaday's global economic calendar. And with that, on behalf of Mark, Max, Brian and me, thanks as ever for listening. We hope you can join us again next time. Bye for now.